Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 196 of Game My Mom Phone. I am Mike Helberton, and who's having visions with me tonight? Hello, I'm Ronald Frazier. <laughs> welcome. And I'm Jake Bull. Also welcome to uh, newcomers that join me on this on this show. <laughs> to talk about a game that a lot of, I feel like a lot of people, well, okay, more people remember this game than I thought. We're here to talk about Fear, First Encounter Assault Recon, developed by Monolith for some, you know, developed by Monolith and came out for Windows, PS3, 360, depending on what version you played. <laughs> so that's, so I played the PC version. Uh, what version did you play, Ronald? Ron? I played the Xbox 360 version on the, the Xbox One Series X. Okay. And I have history. I first played it on the PC, but for this podcast, I played it on PS4, streaming the PS3 port. <laughs> okay, that's pretty. I got. Oh, and uh, the Windows version came out in 2005. The 360 version came out in 06. And the PS3 version came out in 07 for some reason. <laughs> oh, that was the time for ports, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really was. And there's a lot of issues with, like, the, the 360 and PS3 port I were not done by Monolith. They were done by somebody else. But okay. I can't see who ported it. I was, I was listening to a YouTube video before this or watching one, and he talked about it was somebody else that was involved with it. No, because... I have this case right here, and it says Havoc and Bink Video and Monolith. Okay, but Monolith, they, like, they created but they weren't the ones that ported it. I can't say. <laughs> It, it's a weird situation because, like, Fear, the monolith got bought out by Warner Brothers during, like, shortly after this game was done. But I think during the time of the ports or something, they were bought out. But when they merged with Warner Brothers, VN, Vivendi is the one that published this game. They kept the rights of it for a little while still. Wow. So, <laughs> I, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's some weird, there's something weird like that where they weren't involved with every... They owned it for a little while, and I think they got it back. Well, they only made Fear and Fear 2. They didn't make Fear 3. So, someone well, else made Fear 3. I think there's a box for Fear 2. It has the Warner Brothers logo, but that's missing from the first Fear game. Huh. Yeah, they weren't bought out till after. Well, there might be a reason for that. <laughs> okay, they must have got the rights back then <laughs> during that time, because it was some weird drama I was listening to, and they were talking about it, which isn't really about this game, but I want to get it out there live, <laughs> because I thought, I thought it was cool. It was just funny, like, yeah, they, they bought it, but then they didn't, because that's why the, the two expansions for Fear 1, which we're not covering in this, were made by somebody else, because Vivendi wanted to make more money off the franchise, while they were figuring out who owned it. And then I think somehow okay. Warner Brothers must have got full rights to it then, or something. Yeah, because I remember, like, when I bought it, it was the director's cut, which, fun fact, came with a demo for a Cold War alternate history, sort of, like, squad strategy thing but that one that hmm. demo was packed in because i believe at that point it was it did have the warner branding on it okay so it was after they already yeah bought them it's a weird situation i the only the main reason why i picked this game the reason i remember it is when 360 first came out before any of my friends my my friends around me had it a, a buddy of mine from a different state was in town visiting, and he had a 360 with him, and he had this game. And I remember him, when he was over there for a couple hours, he was playing this game. And that was my first experience with it, and I have actually never played it. I just own multiple copies of it. So I was like, I'm going to play that one day. So I bought it for PS3, 360, and then PC. <laughs> like, my yeah. 
experience with fear was uh, from uh, Rooster Teeth's so Red versus Blue. They oh. tried to do their own machinima with it. I think it only did like four or five episodes to promote the game or Fear 2. I don't remember which, but that's my first exposure. Like, oh, this is like the next Halo. And uh, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it's not. It's, it's a much different type of game. I mean, it's not. I mean, there is multiplayer to this. I mean, the one the multiplayer doesn't exist anymore, and I wasn't going to play it. I didn't didn't care for it anyway. But I think I feel like this might. Well, I guess Halo Three would have been the first 361, so I can't Halo Three right better. It's been a long time, but I really like the gunplay in this game, and I really like the feeling that the, the weapons have. Yeah, that's like it feels good. That's just one thing that really caught me this time around because I remember when I first played it i had a lot of fun with it but i just thought that like no there's there's no way it aged well and i say it aged well and really loved the gunplay because in a way it almost reminded me of what doom 2016 did (laughs) okay where it's so focused on mobility and getting around quickly and a lot of the guns do feel really good to shoot it's almost kind of ahead of its time in that way i'd say I mean, in the enemies, I mean, the AI, which is one of the reasons why people love this game, and we have to talk about that before we before we go on to other stuff, because it really... I, so I was watching some videos, and they were talking about the way the AI works is it has a lot to do with the level design. Like, the AI is all programmed for each section where you fight them in, where I didn't, I didn't really think about this when I was playing, but every room you're in will have different areas that... When you come into a point, there are different choke points. There are different, there are different ways for enemies to get around you. There's windows and things for enemies to jump through, including you. And it's all based around that, of the AI being able to flank you and jump through things and do things you wouldn't expect because they're just following, because they're designed for, they were designed for each area specifically. I find it really interesting that this game is linear. Like, there's no way to explore, but, like, it's just a bunch of small little rooms with, like, different lanes different ways to enter a room like you go through the door or you could jump through the window and (laughs) the ai enemies they know all the ways to get to you and each encounter you know get killed do it again totally different experience but it was very fun like that though yeah and probably simple to make just a simple room a couple walls and (laughs) somewhat anti-ai that's sort of the thing that really jumps out to me about the level design in general is that First of all, every space is like a really video game space. Like if <laughs> if you think about him, if you try to like apply architectural principles to a lot of the spaces they use in these levels, they make no no sense at all. But okay. what <laughs> I'll agree with that. But they have these convolutions like Ronald was saying about like sort of lanes built into every every like little couple rooms that are a combat zone. They just are very good at making everyone unique in a way that is super memorable. Because there were a lot of small, like, three or four enemy encounters that I would walk into them, and I would remember them from 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I, I first played this game. I mean, they were, like, they were good. Like, I, I know I had some scenes where I knocked stuff down, or something happened and some guy was crawling towards me. Didn't end well for him, but it was great. I was like, oh, you want to crawl through me? That's fine. You can crawl. I'll just unload a clip on you while you're crawling. <laughs> but I had like, I had that shit happen to me. I had people, I don't, I know they can do it. They didn't do it to me, but they can push down shelves too. They can knock stuff down. The AI can to, to block you, which never happened to me, but they can do it. I don't, I don't think it happened to me either. I wonder or if, if it did, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I wonder if that's like one of the things that like the difficulty settings modulates. 
is if it like adds a layer of slightly more complex interactions to the AI. Uh, what difficulties did you guys play on? I played on the second hardest. Nice. Easiest. Just... With, che- with God mode. <laughs> PC with God mode. I played on the, the middle difficulty, the normal. And I didn't mean to use God mode in this game. I did it once when I had to redo a part because it didn't save right. And I had to redo a whole section, so I just put on God mode just to get through it quickly. Clarity did it. I ended up cheating later on because I ended up... Something happened to me about interval 7 or 6 where I ran out of ammo and I couldn't go find more ammo. And so the only solution to get more ammo was to kill the people. And I'm like, I need to cheat or I'm not going to survive. And then once I started cheating, it just... I was like, well, why stop now? <laughs> so. Second hardest difficulty experience. It was actually really good and a lot of fun. I didn't really struggle in too many areas, but there are certain sections like towards the end of a level where I wouldn't have any more health packs. And then and I would have like 25 health. And then I had to sit there and then abuse the slow-mo effect. And what really made me upset is that like after the second or third interval, you ride in a helicopter and it brings you to a rooftop landing and you're stuck in the helicopter getting shot at. <laughs> oh no! It does not give you health back. So I already had no health, barely any ammo, and like there's just a few sections in this game that were just not nice. But you know, you kill the enemies, and then you can just find some more health packs lying around, and it wasn't too bad. I was gonna try to dork around on the hardest difficulty, but uh, ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joy of doing this show. I can't. I, I one thing I do gotta say, there are a lot of health packs everywhere, and that I think that really promotes you exploring. Because even though I was cheating, didn't need health, like I still explored everything because I really enjoyed the fact that the areas, I mean, they are linear, but they are big where you can move around and go in, extra, and go in dead end rooms and go in different places and walk around it. And you can find a lot of stuff hidden. Ammo, not as much, but you do find a lot of health packs and other like, collectibles in this game, which we'll talk about later. But I, I did really like that. Like, I actually liked the areas a lot. I thought the areas were I mean, they're drab at times, but I enjoyed them. Like, you're in a warehouse for a good warehouses for a good chunk of this game. Yep. Reminded me a lot of uh, Max Payne. Played that for <laughs> like, fighting in places. Uh-huh. That was something that I sort of realized as I was mulling over this game is that, yeah, there's a lot of Max Payne in this formula. <laughs> yeah. And, like, in the just the mechanics, you have the slow mo, the bullet time, and it's going for this kind of gritty urban fantasy-ish thing. That's a good way to put it. I mean, it, it's like futuristic, but but at the same time feels very modern because all the buildings and everything is pretty normal. And it does have that very gritty atmosphere to it that does remind me of Max Payne too. A lot of the games from like early 2000s had the same like art style, like fighting the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Dark. I kind of miss it. I miss it a lot. <laughs> it was a thing. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really think about that, but you, yeah, you are right because there are a lot of games that, came out and ever liked this in for shooters like industrial zones and i do miss it even though they're all kind of the same area. <laughs> but see this game stands out more because of the ai because of the enemies because of like i see i feel like this game was very atmospheric like there were a lot of parts of this game where you're walking around down a hallway or something and i was tense even with well less than god mode but earlier in the game i was very tense but that also what made the ai so great is because i would have the flashlight on all the time because i just I couldn't. I like the flashlight. So even though I also appreciate it, even when it, even before I was cheating, when I would hear flashlight, I'm like, oh, you guys are there. OK, I'll, I'll crouch in the corner, turn off my flashlight and I'll wait here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you come around the corner. We'll, we'll say hi because 
even they just see your flashlight, they know you're there, but they don't know where you are. Sometimes they'll move around and you can snipe them and get them in, in bad situations for them. I was walking through a dark hallway. My flashlight run out. I was like, okay, I'm fine. Took one more step and I immediately got shot at. <laughs> this this game is not afraid of leaving you in the dark. No. It's very dark. And that even though like the army cam segment in the middle of the game is way too long, I actually found myself kind of liking the uh, sort of urban modern like cafe space that a lot of the the later portions of Armacam are when you're like diverted and trying to find your way out of the office building. Yeah, because there's one section speaking of like small encounters that are really easy to remember. You're like walk into this cafeteria, this like cafe cafeteria thing. And yeah, they kill the light. You hear them say kill the lights. And the only light still on is one over the doorway off like to your right where you see the enemies come in, but then everything else is pitch dark <laughs> until someone shoots at you. And then you see them strobe into existence in front of you for half a second. Oh, are you talking about the first time you see the stealth guys? No, I'm talking about just like regular, the replica okay. dudes. I think it's like interval eight or nine. Okay. I just don't remember. I mean, I was running through. So at that point, that was a good jump on me. <laughs> Like that, actually. <laughs> but it was—it's it, good how they do it. It's good how they—and also, I was reading about it or watching a video, and they talked about how many different lines they've recorded instead of them just saying, "Hey, he's over there." They'll say, "Hey, he's by the couch." Hey, he's over by that. He's by the pillar. He's over. Like they have different things depending on where you are that the enemy that the AI will say. And I also liked it when they said where I was. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I would just sometimes I would move somewhere else if I could, <laughs> and then come and then get them. And nothing felt better than when you were able to sneak up on a on a on a soldier sometimes and just shoot him right in the head. Like that just felt so good. Oh yeah, this game does have uh, stealth mechanics. You could sneak up to a guard and punch him in the face, and he gets knocked out. Yeah, I never used it much because I just even without even before I was shooting, I just like to shoot everybody. Just and to shoot him. <laughs> the stealth isn't great. Nope. Like it's it's only a going concern in like a dozen encounters throughout the game. Yeah, because you don't, I mean, it can work, but they also, like, keep track of each other, too, I think. I feel like yeah. the AI is, at least when you shoot, when, like, for me, when I would gun down a bunch of people, I hear, I need backup! I had sometimes where even if I was technically stealthy and, like, trying to do the, the thing of, like, punch them in the back silently, that would still immediately make everyone else in the room whip around and shoot at me. <laughs> I just remember seeing the text saying, press different belt, uh, buttons to perform different stealth moves, takedowns. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> this game had different stealth moves? I just hit right... Well, for me, I, play P, I just hit right-click with my melee button. I think it's like which direction you held changed the way... Yeah, that's... I, that's part... I, it was there for one second, gone, and like, I'm just going to use my gun. Yeah, it was <laughs> a thing, I believe, where it would... Like, yeah, if you were running past someone, it might account for, like, which direction you put them in a chokehold from if you're using your right arm or your left arm. Oh, okay. Or whatever. And there were there's a whole suite of contextual melee attacks. Like if you're running and you jump and you hit melee, you do a flying bicycle kick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I saw this, but I didn't do any of that. I just it was too much fun to shoot everybody in this game. Especially with the slow mo where your advanced reflexes allowed you to be pinpoint accurate. I didn't slow mo a lot. Even before I was cheating, I just didn't 
I didn't. I only use it sometimes. I would. I didn't find it to be super useful for me. See, that's kind of my question about the slow mo. It's like, what's the intent of it? Am I supposed to abuse it or not use it? I think you're I, supposed I, to abuse it because it recharges so often, like so quickly yeah, it recharges. Yeah, I I abuse it, but I think part of the reason I did is because since I was playing one of the console ports and apparently the PS3 version, like with so many games of this time. <laughs> was the worst version for performance. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, there were a lot of times where I would just use it because, well, I'm losing frames really hard, oh, and no. <laughs> if I can see what's happening in those frames, that would really help. <laughs> okay. That's funny. So, hey, you found a good way to use a slow-mo. I don't know, I just didn't... I used it a few times to see, like, okay, am I more powerful? But I couldn't really tell. It was just, okay, now all your shots will hit on target because they're not moving. I'm like, eh, okay, but it, like, you're also kind of slower too in the slow mo. Yeah, and, that, and like reloading is not a good idea in slow mo. By the way, it's like throwing <laughs> a grenade either. Oh god, yes. Because yeah, half half of your bar gets used just in like the recovery animations from that. Mm-hmm. I'll block into an account. Go like, oh, I need a slow mo. Oh wait, I should throw a grenade, and there goes my entire slow mo bar. <laughs> Yeah, but like there were a couple times where I would run away, let it recharge, and then go back into a fight because I would. Some fights were kind of would get kind of violent or bloody for me because they could do a lot of damage to you in this game too. Like if they catch you. Yeah, you get a couple of like a couple of the first several bullets they shoot at you will miss you, but once they start hitting, you're just losing your health in chunks. I like I had times where I must have gotten shot from three different directions at once because like the first time i took damage the next time killed me and i was at full health i just yep damn uh i don't think fear does a good job of, of indicating how much damage you take in my opinion because yeah, i can agree you with can that. take a lot but then your health can be stuck at 25 or a number that isn't red you're like oh i'm still alive walk around a corner just one shot and got it there, there were times when i would get into a gunfight and it would not take much to just drop my health down and i was and i was on easy and they would just like and I would t- and all of a sudden I see myself red and I got to hit the Z button to you know eat a med kit really fast and that kind of I mean one is part of the era I like as shooters progressed more like I like the fact that now almost every game is a rechargeable health bar I don't miss the health bars like this it's not my thing yeah I mean when I had no health bars it made me take the game a little more seriously <laughs> playing <laughs> fun and fun and enjoyable but there are times where I didn't have health and I needed it. There was a section where I had no health kits, and those invisible guys were chasing me, and they're just spawning in. I was oh. like, I have a shotgun, and that's all I need. <laughs> Holy. Those invisible guys, that is a great aid moment. When you're running, you're running through the corporate building at one point, and you're like corporate offices, and you have cubicles, and you and they have, and like all the lights are out or very much out, and you just have, you just see random shit happening. Like you see somebody go in a vent. You see something move over here, but you don't really know what's going on until all of a sudden you see this blue lightning near you and a guy just decloaks and just starts beating the shit out of you and then runs away. That was an intense moment. <laughs> that was good. I, I, do like those, I do like the design of that enemy. And Same. Probably my only favorite enemy in the game, besides the generic soldiers. <laughs> well, there's, there's not a lot of enemy type, but we'll get there well, shortly. Okay. What were you going to say, Jake? Well, just... Those those enemies that cloak and can stealth, they are really good, I'd say, for 
the levels they're in, which is like kind of true of every special enemy they use in this game, because these folks are really good level designers. Yeah. And the way that the watchers or whatever they're called, they can come from anywhere and they make you way more aware of lines of sight and how an area can be kind of open and have a couple of ways to get at you. But still, you're cramped between like the glass walls on conference rooms and the other side of a hallway. You can see what's coming at you, but you, you're limited on where you can necessarily go. And that's really great. Sometimes they would like get me turned around because I, I was getting attacked by two, and I would try to fight one, and he'd run off, and I'd get attacked from another guy. And in the course of running around trying to chase him, I just get lost. I wind up like backing into a corner and seeing a room from a direction I didn't recognize and spending too long going around in circles trying to find my way back. But I think they did a good job of that in the office building with those guys of luring you into traps and like they would come out of vents and they would pop out of like a room. And then one time I remember I was chasing after a guy and he ran up into the ceiling. But also like to what to what Ron said, like the shotgun, that was the way that like this is a beautiful shotgun in this game. Like I just got done playing Doom 3 a couple of weeks ago. That shotgun is garbage. This shotgun was just like, Mwah. I loved it. Like, if you got in my face, like with those guys, I'm like, oh, I'll just shoot the shotgun. You'll be, I'll take care of my problem real fast. <laughs> I'm a fan. You could hold like 160 shells for it. You would never <laughs> run out. It was, you get to like a yard, then you can't really use it. And you can do some range with it too on easy at least. You could, I could shoot people from a different balcony with a shotgun and still take them out. It might take a couple shots, but it would still kill them. It wasn't useless, which was nice. Yeah, that shotgun. The thing that I think really helps sell it is, first of all, the sound on it. It's kind of chuggy, um, and very. it's a very like deliberate sound that kind of unfolds a little. So it does a really good job of like embodying the like punchy rhythm of shooting the shotgun. And also, the way that they like render the shot, you can see like the speed lines of the shot going through the air. But they also give you a little exaggerated effect around the shot so you can sort of see the spread that way really well too. It just does a really good job of feeling like not just you're pulling a trigger and making an enemy fall over. It's like you're sending a punch through the air <laughs> and just watching that turn a dude into a red cloud. Yep. It would just disappear. I loved it. I think that's also one reason I love shooting people so much because like, I'm not big into gore in games usually, but in this game, it felt good to blow up somebody and just shoot the hell out of them. Turns to the red mist, some will have their leg fall off, some would be missing a head. Uh-huh. As I pick up, I'm like, okay. And as you were mention- mentioning earlier, there aren't a lot of enemy types. You have your you have your basic soldier, you have the, the stealth guy we were talking about, you have heavies, which I think the heavies are pretty cool, though. I'm not a huge fan of fighting the heavies, because I feel like I could never do damage to them. Yeah, because right. I was playing difficulty, uh, but I think they mostly work because there's only one or two of them at most. But they're always surrounded by the squad of generic soldiers, which kind of really helps sell them. Like he, the heavy would always be the last enemy. I got to get his friends first before I take him out. They they go down quick, like an easy grenade. I would toss, I would freeze it, and then toss grenades in their face, and that usually would take them out. Yeah, my only complaint about the heavy is that, like y'all are saying. It doesn't feel like you do anything to it. Yeah. That's because I think there are only two weapons that do 
like unmodified damage to the heavies, and those are the 10 millimeter penetrator rifle, the nail gun, <laughs> and I think the uh, repeating cannon. Okay. And explosives get nerfed a little less, but yeah, than like regular bullets, and the shotgun gets it the worst. And the particle gun is really good against them, too. Yeah. That's not till way late in the game. Yeah, I just knew there was a section where they crash their van in the building you're in. Enemies <laughs> come out, no problem. But there's one heavy with a rocket launcher shooting you, and one shot from that mm-hmm. always killed me. But then there was another heavy with a rocket launcher right behind him. And yeah, I was that... desperate for ammo. <laughs> yeah, I was, when I first played that, I had three health packs. And I was pretty good for ammo. That wasn't really a concern. But yeah, I only had three health packs. And so when those, like, I think it's five or six guys come running out of that truck, like, I had them pretty well dealt with because I was using the shotgun. (laughs) And they weren't much of a threat. But then, yeah, like, two, three, four times, I I did not, I did not use slow-mo in time and jump out of the way of the rockets that that first (laughs) heavy had. So he kept pasting me. And then Thankfully, the first and only time I had to fight both of the heavies, when I get to the second one, I've just got to be kidding me when I see the rockets whiz past my head and realizing that, oh, I should not have just used my last health pack. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a time that I very generously abused the slow-mo as well as I could. Yeah, they, they only have rockets like once or twice, I think, which is good because I can see that being very deadly. Yeah, it was not fun because I think they locked onto you. Oh. Or if there's like, it would shoot five of them at once, and you could probably use your slow-mo to shoot them out of the air. So I was like, I'm getting out of the way. Really- <laughs> uh, there's also the mech enemies, too, you fight a couple times in this game. I do not like them. They are, they can take a lot of freaking hits. Yeah, and the one in the, in the condemned apartment building, that was, that was a mean trick to pull. Yes. Mm-hmm. I lost all my health packs. <laughs> like I'm just running away. And then I had to do the next section with the uh, particle cannons. Snipers. Very <laughs> size and carefully. Now, well, hey, at least you can save whenever you want to. I don't think so I Xbox. You hmm? Yeah, you can on the console versions. Oh, that's only PC? Okay, never mind then. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's, not a, there's not a quick save. There's not a manual save. Unless you're quitting the game. Oh, there's just the checkpoints then? Yes. Okay, that would make it a lot harder. Okay. Yeah, so if I get shot in the first area, I die. That's fine. But the second area, I get shot. I go back to the first area and have to do it all again and learn where these enemies are and shoot them before they shoot me. See, that's how you can tell it's also an early 360 game because that would have been something that wouldn't have happened in a later 360 PS3 game because they got really generous with checkpoints, I, I want to say, in the aughts. Also, there are no health packs. That's my big complaint. <laughs> yeah. They're... Well, they got to make it harder. I mean, I did do a good job collecting all the power-ups. I was at like 180 health. Oh, nice. And it's like, beginning again, it's like, oh, 10 health packs, because one health pack kills you up pretty good. But when you have like 180 health, you are using all 10 health packs to get back to full health. Okay, that would be kind of gravity. Yeah, it's close to that. And something I noticed during the game, it's like, I have more health, so it could be a little more reckless, but I got to manage what I'm getting. But by that point, the game was almost over, and it wasn't too much of a struggle. Okay. It gets easier near the end, too, I think. You get to a certain point which where the game really like it gets much easier. Because it doesn't try to be hard. It just tries to make you feel things. 
Yeah, because there's only like two mechs. Actually, I think four mechs in the game. The one in the apartment's the last one, I think, and the worst. But then there are also the drones that show up for that one level. Oh, yeah, those were annoying. I think those are the worst enemy by far. I forgot about them. I had a really hard time with the what I would um like the fake SWAT looking guys, the soldiers. Yeah. Cops. That were like looked like Renacops. They annoyed me a lot. I don't know why. I mean I don't think they're any different than the soldiers that you fight that are the part but they were just were really annoying to me. They're like easier to fight than the soldiers, which is, you know, good AR AI design. I had a hard time with them. I had a harder time with them than the soldiers for some reason. Okay. I don't know I why. Think, I think they're more prone to just like using grenades. Okay, I I don't think they really threw grenades much at me on easy. I mean, yeah. I got killed those cops the first time I saw them because I thought they were friends. Same, I didn't shoot them, and they shot me. <laughs> because the game kind of tricks you throughout the whole game. You've been fighting the same kind of enemy, and all of a sudden, they're not. Yeah. You're fighting something different. Yeah, and that's kind of how the last 30 minutes of the game scared me the most. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> Shortly, yeah. I, I want to do the atmosphere last and story. Uh, one thing I, I, I want to talk about is the weapons in this game. But we talked about the shotgun, but the nail gun, there is seldom that, like, I'm not, I'm, as I said before, I'm not into gore, I'm not that guy, but there was something fun about that nail gun. There was something so cool about getting a headshot on a guy, seeing his body ragdoll into the wall, just stick there. Oh, it was so good. Made me so happy. Oh, yeah. When I was playing on PC as a kid, I played with all the cheats, and I would turn on God mode. And just keep putting in the code for more ammo for the nail gun. Because I would basically use that exclusively. <laughs> and just sometimes like damage my performance. Because Havoc is trying to render a dozen vo- bodies vibrating through the wall. <laughs> Eventually it will, depending on what, it will take away the, sp- the stakes. But they'll still be in the wall. And that's what I would do. <laughs> but I just loved it when you get like a random... Because sometimes I wouldn't know if somebody's dead. But with a nail gun... As soon as you hit him, you see the body go flying against the wall. Like, okay, he's dead. He's pinned to the wall now. Problem solved. Which is so cool. I caught one guy. Like, I caught a few guys in the head. I caught a couple people. Like, I caught them in their arm, got stuck to the wall, and their back was stuck to the wall. Because I kept shooting them in, like, in a big firefight. And then they were just they were just pinned there. Great. The nail gun was my weapon of last resort. It's not and too hard. It's kind of to use. It's too slow. I mean, it's still, it shoots fast, but it's not as powerful as... Like, I used the submachine gun a lot because it was just... It was very useful for me, the, the machine gun type guns. Yeah, I ran with big, powerful assault rifle, the uh, shotgun, and then the uh, towards the end, the particle laser. That that was my go-to gun in the end of the game, because one shot and they just they melt into a skeleton and die. And it looked cool. Yeah, Except that. For like half the game, I played through it, yeah, with the assault rifle, the shotgun, and then my third slot would just be the nail gun or the particle cannon. And just basically stayed that until I eventually replaced the regular shotgun with the auto shotgun and eventually would keep the nail gun permanently. And I would like cycle between <laughs> either a rocket launcher or a machine gun, just whatever fun third thing the levels kept throwing at me. I tried to change up one thing that caught me off guard because I didn't I think because I play too many newer games sometimes or not newer, but like newer than this. Is I kept walking over guns and it will sometimes it doesn't pick up ammo if you don't yeah. if you don't press a button and that sometimes, threw me off. Sometimes it doesn't. You have, to, you have to stand on top of that gun to pick it up. Okay, I mean I had to hit F a lot to pick up ammo. Even when I would have that weapon equipped, it would still make me press F to pick it up. Or sometimes it wouldn't, and it would just like auto pick up. Yeah, it was weird. It it threw me off. That's why I ran out of ammo. I think 
because I didn't realize it at first. I was wondering why I kept running out of ammo. I ran out of ammo a lot. I ran out of ammo a few times in this game. Yeah, this game is like it's kind of a marvel for what it is, especially considering when it came out. But it is technically pretty rough, it even is. like in the best versions. And like my not best version that I played, <laughs> there was there was a bug where just after every loading screen, my flashlight would be on. <laughs> just start a new level. My flashlight's on. That's it weird. didn't meaningfully affect anything. But after I realized it was happening, I noticed it every time. <laughs> I also found it. I, I got annoyed with the flashlight. I didn't like the fact that the flashlight is rechargeable, even though I think that adds to the to the fear factor of this game. But it did annoy me at times, quite often. Just sure. couldn't see. I'm not sure where necessarily I stand on the flashlight because, like, I did play most of Doom Three at some point, which, if I recall, did have ammo for the battery or for the flashlight. No, well, completing that uh, with Alan Wake for some depends reason. on what version you played in Alan Wake. Yes, uh, in Doom Three, because I just played it recently. If you play the original version, you have to toggle from the flashlight to a gun. You can either shoot or see. With the uh, BFG version, you have a flashlight like this that just the battery just goes away after a bit, but it lasts longer. Uh, was, in the original Doom Three, the sh- flashlight was a dedicated weapon slot, so you had to pull out yes. the flashlight, have no gun, and then switch your gun. But then they said, no, just have the flashlight with your gun. Yeah, because that was dumb. So I fixed it. An Alan Wake is where you have a flashlight, but in order to have the flashlight be useful, you have to like channel into it, which then uses batteries, which you have to then collect more yep. batteries. I love Alan Wake, by the way. So anytime I can mention that, I will. Did they keep the advertisement in the remaster? I don't know. I don't have the remaster. I didn't play the remaster, I don't think. I don't think so, because I think they even like took some of the advertisements out in a patch of the original release. It didn't bother me because it, it fit real. Like I'm okay with seeing a Verizon sign when I'm in modern day, because there would be a Verizon sign there. So I can live with it. I, I did enjoy the knockoff Dell computers in this fear game. Well, those weren't knockoff. <laughs> they're not. No. no, they're actual Dell. That's actual product <laughs> placement. Like, okay. the, but it yeah. works because it, it's realistic. There would be in an office building when you're running through all these corporate offices, there would be some kind of computer. So I'm okay with that. At the right amount of atmosphere, or not too yeah, that, much, not too little, it sold, sold what it was. I will say, I do find it pretty funny that the laptops where you like find the lore stuff were Alienware, <laughs> suggesting that everyone in this massive like tech company is a huge gamer <laughs> and just leaving their rigs lying around. I mean, I, I feel like even if somebody was trying to gun me down, I would grab my laptop and run away with it. Just because. I mean, to be fair, I did bring my gaming laptop to my job before and play Metal Gear Solid 2. My previous job when I was off, when I got done with my day and waiting for my wife to get off work. I was like, okay, I'll sit here and play Metal Gear Solid 2. So, I can buy it a little bit. On a, on a side note, this had nothing to do with the game exactly, but I'm going to mention it anyway. <laughs> When I was running through the offices and I'm looking at all the different cubicles, I'm looking for ammo, looking for med kits and some of the secrets that I could find, like some like the laptop and the other collectibles. It, it, I one thing that made me laugh. In my previous job, I used to work, and my office was an old. Clo- they took a closet, cut the closet in half, and said, "Here's," your, and they made it into an office. And I was looking like, you know, these are a lot nicer offices. Than, I mean, these have windows. Even in a cubicle, you can see the person <laughs> next to you. You're not just in a closet. Like, this is nice. It's a funny thing, but that's what it made me think of. And I was like, this is a lot better. So people are trying to kill me, but it's a lot better. So, <laughs> I just really like it. <laughs> There's this one room that was just kind of like a 
kind of big hallway and they made it into an office space for two people. We're like, just imagine all the people walking through here. You couldn't get anything done. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. In an office, like, when people walk by, you start talking to them. I mean, unless you're that, like, yeah. Over your shoulder, seeing what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to say, Armacam headquarters, their architect is an engineer of nightmares. <laughs> like, like I said earlier, these are not, like, usable human spaces when you think about it. Like, in a single level, you'll run through, like, four different reception areas and hallways with, like, four lounge spaces in between office blocks. And one thing I noticed in, like, the research wing area where, like, they first introduced mechs and the mechanic where sometimes you can find a security station which lets you use turrets, there's a cubicle space that has security camera turrets. With line of sight into all of the cubicles. <laughs> so you think you're not going to work today, huh? We're going to aim this gun toward you. What are you going to do now? <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. That's funny. Okay. The turret guns weren't too big in this game, though, at least, which was nice. I mean, they're around for a little bit. Yeah, I only discovered one that I could actually use against the enemy. Not they're I've... somewhat annoying, but you know they're going to pop out just because they're sticking out of the ceiling. You get to use you. I did two against enemies, and then I fought a few. Yeah, I I managed to use two. That's like one thing we'll probably cover more in like the atmosphere section. Is this game generally feels pretty uneven? Like in the armor camp section, they are adding things like the mechs and those turrets, and even like a little bit of extra stuff with like interacting with environment pieces to make stuff happen. But that. None of that stuff exists very much outside of there. It's like they spent an uneven and inordinate amount of time on what became the middle section, and everything else is like a different game that's kind of attached. Because you have all of those early industrial areas where, like, I guess you're tracking a dude. Yeah. And they're mechanically very simple, very straightforward. You get into the middle, and they're adding, like, something new with every chapter and then you get out of there and now you're back into pretty straightforward dingy areas and you just go through them with nothing really new until the last two chapters where they make pretty hard and dedicated turn into the supernatural direction (laughs) yeah i mean there's supernatural kind of throughout the entire game i mean like the story is a little supernatural, but it, yeah, it goes really hardcore into it near the end. And that's that's like a thing about the, the story that I'm going to elaborate on, or sure. I want to elaborate on later, is just that there's like three different good stories in this game that don't need to be all smashed together. <laughs> like, you have the framing device of, this is the first encounter assault recon. They deal with paranormal and unexplained threats. And that's just a framing device, mm-hmm. but you could you could do a whole way wilder procedural with that. But then, so much of it is basically a kind of standard military aesthetic shooter with one and, guy that works for this company almost. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have like the horror story, and like all these things kind of exist on top of each other and vaguely interact. But you could make like a full, more cohesive thing out of any 
one of those three leads. And that's something that I think generally kind of makes the story really tedious. And that's they also, the they don't feed you the story all at once either. They do a lot of piecemeal with it. Yeah, and like I get what they're going for with trying to do that. But again, like because it's kind of an afterthought to the sort of like modern soldier gun game, it can be jarring where it's like, oh yeah, no, there's actually ghost stuff happening here. <laughs> there's a lot, two hallways and blood on the walls and some flames. That's a thing going on. And lots of dead guys. I mean, I can, I can see where you're coming from because it never really like sticks a lot. I mean, I like the way they did it because I don't like horror games in general. But, like, I completely see where you're coming from because it, it comes a lot of you at you in part. Like, you'll be running around, all of a sudden, you'll, the, the screen will flash, and you'll have, like, a zombie face on the screen for a second. Or you'll be walking somewhere here, <laughs> and then you, I didn't look half the time because I was just doing whatever else. And if you do look fast enough, you can see, like, a little girl running away from you. Or you'll see, like, a ghost of the guy you're hunting kind of walking by, like, where he was and stuff like that. But that... It does feel like I like that, that it wasn't a lot of it. But I see what you mean, because it, it's it's like at the end of this game, it feels like it becomes a horror game where most of this game to me still felt horror. But like, it doesn't really have that. It does. It, I can see where you're coming from, like multiple things were you know, smashed together to make what they made. Yeah. And like the mechanics are really good. And like fear, I think, is kind of I say publicly, it's like a an archetypal seven out of ten game. Where the thing that really like buoys it and keeps it high is it's really good combat mechanics. Yeah. But the story is weird and kind of like yeah, like the the stuff they're that they're touching on could be really interesting because it's like got like the sort of the ring plot in there. <laughs> oh yes. I mean that's what it was based on too. Like they, they based it on Japanese horror from that time. With the ring and the grudge and all that type of stuff. Okay. So that you, you weren't wrong. It was coming from that type of horror is what inspired them to make this game is all that stuff. I liked it, but I also I didn't pay any attention to the story for me. Normally, I like story in games. For me, it was all about I just want to shoot everybody I can shoot and get through the game. And I was having a blast doing it, even while cheating. I was just for me, it was so much fun just unloading like I didn't care. I mean, I did jump a lot in this game. Like the game would scare me multiple times. And I like the features of like there'll be a you walk into an area like there's a couple times with and you don't you don't have a lot of npcs in this game that are on your side you have a couple you have one you walk at all oh, there's all blood on the floor and skeletons like there isn't even a shot fired you know weird shit like that where you and then there'll be parts where you see people just like dissolve a few times i think or burst into blood and skeleton like those are the horror elements but i mean and, and i guess whenever you see alma which we haven't talked about yet but alma really like that's the whole horror element of the game this is my first time playing Fear. Uh, you know, I watched a few YouTube videos about it. It was an important game of yesteryear. But, you know, it's a very tall card since the United States government created the Fear unit for paranormal activities. Like, oh, we're going to go, oh, what? Yeah, that's, and that's like another thing where it feels like there's multiple games on top of each other. I would like the game where, like, you're hunting vampires. Yeah, or... I was like, I thought... I was like, I don't know how you fight a ghost with guns, but I'm into it. You have slow-mo, because the ghosts are fast. And it doesn't go down that route, at least not till the very end of the game. And yeah, the times it does, thought were very boring and pathetic. And then it's like, okay, now the game's going to get to like more psychological horror with all these images you're seeing. 
It's like it's about you and you're walking through a hospital, walking down the corridor, bloody walls. And it's like, okay, this is intriguing. And the combat's really fun. But then I'm just like walking into another room to fight people. Where's the next section of the story? How how's it gonna evolve? Yeah, this and like yeah, they're not very great at telling this story that they're trying really hard to make you take seriously. With like the I did not take it that seriously. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like the story is like silly, kind of on the face of it. We're yeah, we have this peak like Bush era uh, new <laughs> law enforcement program that gets made, and we're, we're just using that to okay. That's our into the story of this guy who took take your daughters to work day way too seriously. <laughs> My God, Harlan Wade. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're not wrong at all. I also like that you can ignore most of the story. You can ignore the supernatural elements if you just don't look when they when they say stuff. Because I didn't. Because I was watching a video that showed you a lot of different scenes. Alma, I didn't see Alma that much because I wasn't paying. I was too busy shooting everything. I wasn't paying attention. I mean, when I first started playing the game, all those scenes are really cool. But then in the middle of the game, when I was like, I'm just enjoying the combat, the story kind of disappeared it's like oh there she is (laughs) well part of me for the story the issue was like example you have to listen to voicemails a lot and you have to stay near that voicemail to hear it and i'm like i don't want to stay here i want to go shoot people (laughs) and there's like you miss out on stuff and the radios oh yeah that if you bump into stop playing the lore they're giving you or if you shoot them yeah which happened i shot i just shot fucking everything in this game (laughs) And this is this is a very shootable game, a very shootable environment. There's a lot of guns, and there's a lot of scenery to shoot. Yes. Yeah, and like the director's edition, the first one that I played, like the the things that were packed in that made it the director's cut was like the DLCs, obviously, but also a commentary track where like they had all of the department leads and the lead designer, like as you could go as you would go through the first couple of levels. And then occasionally afterward, they would just have a commentary track that you could like be prompted to start playing. Oh, yeah. And so one of the things they talk about being a huge aesthetic influence was John Woo movies. <laughs> yeah, which which is why, like, I believe something they talk about is like there are birds that you see sometimes pigeons. They have those in the game as like one of the few animated things in the environment because at one time they wanted to have like the ability to have doves fly across the screen to cap <laughs> off a, a fight. Oh, cool. And that's why, but cool. And that's why when you like shoot a printer, paper flies everywhere. And if you shoot a couch, smoke and upholstery fly everywhere. And when you shoot a fire extinguisher or a power box it's just chaos because yeah they wanted they wanted it to be a situation where you could just shoot a shotgun down a hallway and it turns into a shot from a john woo fight (laughs) it did make the gunfights a little more complicated a little harder just because all those effects hit the enemy (laughs) yeah and there was sometimes it was hard to see too but i love the way when you shoot a wall and you leave a big giant hole in the wall that made me feel so good too made me upset when i missed (laughs) <laughs> they happen a lot. I missed a lot. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was think, unfortunately common. I think Fear is one of those games that like kind of needs a 
reboot remake thing that's not that faithful to the original that's just really like mechanics forward because i think if you just made any other shooter that just had like the same level of environment destructibility and the same relatively intricate ai it could be anything and it would be great because the shooting's just great the way they use the environment in fights it's great you just put a new coat of paint on it and it's gonna be great okay i mean i i enjoyed all the the supernatural stuff because it it freaked me out but it wasn't too much to make me never want to play it again and it was a nice coating to be like just there so i I, if they remake i'd want it with the same stuff just maybe make it cleaner because i was thinking while i was playing this like these graphics have not aged well at all (laughs) but from the time period it's like this is just everything you need and it's just kind of the whole experience of it doesn't need to be super high def. It's like the smallest details aren't there because, you know, they get blown up. It's just enough to sell the atmosphere. Yeah. It, and it, I think it does a good job of selling the atmosphere. Like I was always engaged. Like I was interested in the office building. I was in the warehouses. I enjoyed when you go to the, you know, the corporation at the very end, like all of that I thought was very well done. Yeah. Like when they start introducing the sentry turrets, <laughs> that was that's always a level that makes me work really hard to consider not just where I am, but where am I going? Cause I have to have that figured out in three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Things are going to get very bad, very quickly. Cut off in the open. It's not actually getting cut off in the open. It's the worst thing in this game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can also lean in this game, which I never did. Cause I just didn't care. Enough uh, and I was on I, easy. Maybe because I was playing in the harder. You had to probably, I'm assuming. Not always. The slow-mo helped a lot. And then, just cheesing that and cheesing the corners, lines of sights. I like it that they lean too, though. The I enemies will lean towards you also, uh, at you. Just shoot around corners and I'm like you're missing. Then this one bullet hits me and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for hard for harder difficulties. That's I mean, the, for you. the story was kind of it, it's kind of odd. Like I didn't really pay attention to the story, but I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed for what it was. I I mean, I like how. I feel like you wouldn't if you were like, I wasn't really paying attention. So I, I knew some stuff from this game from years ago, but like what the story is, is Alma is dead. The little girl that you're seeing everywhere, the villain that you're hunting, Paxton, fact, whatever the hell his name is, Fatel or Fatel? Paxton Fettel. Yes, you're hunting him because he took over a clone army that he's controlling them all psychically. And you, you see one of the first you've seen is he's eating a guy for some reason. And then you eventually you shoot him in the head, which was I like that part, by the way very near the end of the game once you shoot him all the clones shut down because he's the one that's been controlling them the whole time do you have to shoot him yes i don't know okay because like i shot him like the, the rest of the series depends on him being dead oh okay oh even two no, yeah it's a plot point okay i knew in three he was dead because i know the, the the multiplayer aspect of three but yeah uh once you shot him and you see all the replicant robots just standing there that's the first time I actually got scared in the game. It's like, <laughs> wait a second. I've been fighting these people the entire game, and they're not fighting me. What's going on? And that was a very, very cool trick they did. Yeah. Well, I guess the whole idea is that Alma's getting more powerful. Like, you, the little girl you see is the ghost of Alma, who's been killed years ago. I mean, that, that gets where the game gets kind of fucked up, too. Like, when you find out... And we were talking a little bit about, like, her father was a doctor at your hunting for a good chunk of the game to rescue him. But he put her in a coma... She grew up because she was too powerful. They put her in a coma. They impregnated her. She had kids and they killed her because even 
when she was in a coma, she was still able to psychically connect with Paxton. So, and now her ghost is out taking revenge. There's more to this story that I'm guessing neither of you guys picked up on, and which this game does not do a very good job of relaying. The point man is Alma's second child. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the first cutscene, it says you were born here, and you see her in the hospital, I think. Yeah, they, they make references to it. I, I already knew that from people talking about this game previously, years ago, but I don't think I would have picked up otherwise. Yeah, because, like, first time I played it, I didn't find out about it until, like, I read a wiki. <laughs> because I was like, wait, so, like, why are you seeing, like, Paxton's birth if, like, Alma's psychic with him and you're just a dude? Yeah, because you're not just a dude. <laughs> And I think near the end is when almost starting to really take control. And that's why you start fighting all these ghosts randomly. Because you'll have scenes where you would like start to hallucinate and you'd be walking down a hallway and walking down a hallway or, or flames would be around you and things would come, like ghosts would come at you. But later on, it finally it starts to become reality where the ghosts are hunting you because that's what almost controlling when I, it's after you like start the self-destruct system and are trying to run out the door. I also really like that part leading up to it where you have to get the four, I think it's four, you're three, you have to set the different generators on to open the main door and like reset the power. I did like that. I knew, I was sad I couldn't kill the fat guy. Like, what was his stick? He He deserved it. I mean... He's against you the entire game, making your life difficult. Well, you you meet him randomly and he's like, oh, don't shoot. And he's like, oh, you got to go turn off the power or turn off security. So I can like, I'll help you jack in here. I'm like, OK, then he disappears. You can't find him. Then he's behind some locked door. And all of a sudden now he's at this secret base. I don't know why they felt compelled to have red Dennis Nedry in this <laughs> game. Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic <laughs> word. Uh, 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 because that's he's, yeah. he's just Dennis Nedry, but with red hair. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he acts like he doesn't know what's going on, but he's actually involved a lot more than you think. Like, yeah, 100% Dennis Nedry. They like Jurassic Park, what can I say? But he doesn't I mean, die. It was why, I mean, he gets shot. But you didn't. But also, I think you could, I think it's funny, you can miss him getting shot. If you run through that room really quick and aren't paying attention, you won't see him. You completely yeah. miss him. Yeah, no, like the, the first time I ever played through it, I definitely just like found him there and was like, Wait, what just happened? Which I thought was funny. And I also, I think it's near the end of the game when Alma starts attacking you as a larger person because you find out that, like, you know, she didn't just die as a kid and that the kid is just her manifestation that she uses to, I guess, for some reason. But I also don't understand how dead is killing. But yeah, (laughs) the uh, combat encounters very end of the game are I, I just don't like them. Just one shot ghost that fly at you. Yeah, it's not the same. First thing is that they'll spawn behind you. In my case, two hits, three hits, and I'm dead. Ooh, okay. There are times yeah. where I didn't even know I was getting hit. Yeah, there so, was. There's the one spot relatively like early through like interval eleven when you're yeah running from them, and you go through this room where there's like all these like crates that are funneling you through, and like three pods of the dudes spawned behind you. Mm-hmm. I died there like seven times. I can see that. I, I do like that pistol they give you for whatever reason. One shot them. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this pistol's not that bad. <laughs> no, it was good for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's something that freaked my bean when I played <laughs> it that I forgot happens, is that you go into these dream sequences, these hallucinations, and they give you certain weapons. And you have them outside of the hallucination <laughs> sequence. 
<laughs> took my precious shotgun away. Is that a glitch, or is that supposed to be foreshadowing that Alma can just change reality? I'm assuming foreshadowing. I'm assuming I, it's supposed to be like the fact that she's able to alter, re- you know, alter things that are happening. Because she's growing more powerful as the game progresses. The closer that you and Paxton get is making her, I think, making her more powerful. I'm assuming that's what's happening. Okay. I'm assuming. I don't really, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I just, no, yeah. I mean, I don't, like, you. if you look at a wiki, a lot of this, a lot of figuring out the plot is mostly people su- making suppositions like, maybe it's this? It could be that? <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. And- I mean, I, I have no idea. I still don't understand the ending of the game. <laughs> it's yeah. good, though. Well, first, you, you climb out, you get on the street, and then you see, like, the nuke- the bomb going off of the place as it just blows up, which reminded me of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yep. Call of Duty before Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that was cool. And then you, and then you, like, I was wondering, like, okay, am I supposed to do something? But then you just, you just have to get blown back against the fence and then you can't move. And then you just get picked up by a helicopter and you see the giant mushroom cloud of where the bomb went off and then all of a sudden you see Alma in, as, as a girl form climb up into the helicopter and then the game yeah. ends. I, I like that part of the ending. It just ends. And then there's that epilogue. I didn't, I turned off the game after that. There's more? Yes and no. The epilogue is not after that, but it takes place during the skyscrapers section. If you remember, you find a guy with bombs strapped to him. Oh yeah. And there are two additional soldiers, one of the few AI companions. You get to play as one of them. Oh, you're you talking... Oh, because the version you had, I think, had an extra level in it. Oh, maybe it does. Yeah. Yes, because my game the didn't Xbox have that. Did. Okay. Yeah, the well, PS3 I, version didn't have that either. Okay, well, I had the epilogue, which is just bonus content of the saving the guy with the bomb strap on his back. Play. You start it. He's uh, disarmed, no bombs around him. You hear gunshots and your teammate immediately dies. I didn't see it, he just disappeared. And then you have to fight your way through the enemies, which a little harder without the slow mo. Okay. Uh, and uh, you go through the elevators and you eventually escort him to the rooftop. And as he's getting in the helicopter, he gets shot and dies. And I'm like, so what's the point of this epilogue? It doesn't really expand upon the story. It's just. Is it just gameplay to- without. I think it was just to have something extra to make to yeah, sell the game again. Easier, probably very easy to make. Had all the assets. Well, also, I think they're trying to explain why the two people who come rescue you come and rescue you. It's just like trying to account for their whereabouts in the story in order to make what happens at the very end not seem like an absolute Deus Ex Machina. Okay. Everyone dies. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, anyway, everyone does. I well, no, because the I well, think you play the, the guy you play in the second game. There's also more to this game too, which is not canon per monolith, but was made as canon. Like, there's a whole the one of the expansion packs, which we're not going to. I mean, we're not. We didn't play for this one, but we might do a mini if you guys want to. Is Extraction Point, which takes place immediately after this game ends. Yeah, I have played Extraction Point. Probably not going to be able to do one on Perseus Mandate because. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Like when I tried playing on PC, like it came with both the DLCs on a disc and extraction point. I could install and run Perseus mandate would always crash in the opening uh, cinematic. Huh? 
And okay. that was apparently a not uncommon thing. I also heard it wasn't from when I was watching the videos. They said extraction point. You should play. They said the, they said Percy mandate, which is garbage. Don't bother. Yeah, that too. So from my understanding, the first fear game is the only fear game you should play. I've heard good things about fear too. I do have fear too. And I, I do want to play it, but it's not backwards compatible on the series X. So I need oh. to pull off. Yeah. I makes too. I played a little bit of, I remember thinking the art is much better. Much more yep. polished. I didn't get very far, but I understand that like some it does the horror beats better, or at least in a more rational and understandable way. Okay. I I want to play it someday, maybe next year or next <laughs> October. We'll see. Because it it definitely interests me. I I, I want to play three too, but I feel like I've heard nothing but bad things. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. But there <laughs> four. No, there's just three games, and then the Perseus Mandate Extraction Point on 360 was also, was a separate disc called the Fear Files. You could buy it physically. Oh, okay. Uh, I think there was a Fear 4 kind of in the ether, but I Not th- released, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Vaporware at this okay. point. Any last things you want to say about the game before we go on to questions, comments, or memories? I want to say this game kind of reminds me a lot of Condemned Criminal Origins. I Mixed with Max Payne. Uh, Max Payne, <laughs> slow-mo, obviously, and shooting and all that. But especially Condemned, because you're just out there chasing this guy. I know that's a big story. You're just this guy who's eating people. They made Condemned, by the way. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it is A condemned. monolith. They made Fear in 2005 for PC, and then they other people ported it, and then, when that was, and then they went to work on Condemned 1 and 2. Okay, so maybe I should actually play Condemned. Condemned's really good. I I will I speak very highly of Condemned one. I don't remember two as well, but I think two was good too. They're both good games. I think I want to play Condemned two. Condemned. Oh yeah, in Game Informer, yeah, it was one of the top ten. I vaguely remember this in some magazine. One of the top ten moments of that year was Condemned two and a bear (laughs) and mannequins. Good game. Oh, and we didn't talk about the sound design. We should mention that really fast. The I feel like the music and sound and sound design was done very well. It was very creepy. Yeah, they do a really good job of like taking advantage of environmental sounds, like rattling pipes, and I don't recall. Do the light fixtures actually creak when they're flailing around, or did I just put that in my head because it's? very evocative when they do it can't remember (laughs) don't recall i was too busy shooting things i don't (laughs) i just remember it's creepy sometimes like you'd hear like alma when you're walking around sometimes Mm -hmm. stopping a couple times like yeah this is some pretty cool music let's shoot some more things yeah yeah pretty much the effects for a lot of the weapons are really good and just like helps sell the feel because like you have the kind of slightly percussive but also kind of like whooshing sound when you use the triple rocket launcher and the chugginess of the shotgun and the of the nail gun I found really fun and then there's the of the particle (laughs) weapon Yes, you just hear that and then you see a skeleton explode into view at the other end Uh, the best sound of all in this game actually is the elevator music. <laughs> yeah. I had to restart that section so many times, so I got accustomed to that elevator music. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's like, a... this is not part of the game. 
but it's stylistically different. But I enjoy that it's here. Yeah, that's it kind of a that kind of leans on some touched on something that I think about this game, and is that it's surprisingly cartoonish, like the way it will throw that elevator music against everything else going on. The way enemies will sometimes ragdoll, sometimes lose a limb, sometimes just turn into a puff of red. Mm-hmm. And the way the skeletons just sort of appear and fall over when you shoot someone with the particle weapon. There's a lot of potential for humor in this game that I think sometimes they understand. And I almost kind of wish they leaned into a little bit more. Okay, I can see it. Trying to think of the funniest moments in the game. Pinning a guy to the wall with a nail gun. <laughs> that was for me the funniest moment. Bicycle kicking an enemy and watching them ragdoll and kind of get <laughs> tangled in your feet. <laughs> Start lying down and watching the heavy walk into it. Mm-hmm. Never use the mines. I I had to use everything I had. <laughs> one of the like one of the Another dumb thing you have to switch grenades. Oh, okay, that'd be annoying. One of the, like an example of like the great voice work they do. One of the great things about using mines is that sometimes the enemies will react to triggering a mine. And it will just be as simple as, oh, shit. And just before you see it, like, the disc rise up into the air and and just level everyone around it. <laughs> well, that's what makes it so cool sometimes. All right. I'm going to read a few questions and comments and memories that I got. First from the I Watch the Entire Overload Super Replay gr- group. Uh, first from Mark C. A really good shooter with great enemy AI. Love the atmosphere and the, ma- and the mystery around Alma. The slow-mo mo mechanic was great and made combat stand out from other shooters at the time. I like what the sequel did with the story as well, but Fear 3 really fell flat. Okay. And from Michael Hughes, friend of the show. I was supposed to be on this episode, but the field of view and the stilted camera movements were messing with my motion sickness. I even tried making, adding something to the game, files to alter the FOV, a concept that feels so ar- archaic in 2022. Because <laughs> it made a motion sickness, because always he was going to be on here. And from Stephen Barfoot. This and Saints Row were the games I got with my 360 that Christmas. At the time, FPS games were basically my favorite genre, and this game is a big reason. Punchy gameplay, the incredible atmosphere, not to mention the AI. It was so enthralling at the time, listening them talk and communicate to, to each, and then react accordingly, to the point where they'll crawl under something that's been knocked over, which brings me to my last point, the environment. All right, here's a good one from Matt Pickleton. Uh, true story, the first time I ever knew this game existed, my buddies and I were driving out into the country to buy some weed from a guy one of them knew out there. These farmhouses were literally miles away from their nearest neighbors. I didn't know the guy at all, so I was already a little on edge. We get inside, you sit in the dark with another guy playing this game. It's already dark outside, and I'm fucking memorized by the gameplay. It looked like so much fun. Then all the spooky shit starts happening. We're all stoned to the bone. By then, we all just got this huge wave of paranoia. Every little sound the house made or something outside made, we all stopped, look around, like, what the fuck was that? We left about an hour or two later, and the next morning, I immediately bought it for my 360, played through on every difficulty, and loved the shit out of it. This would be a very good game for little kids and stoners. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine playing the stone. I played Dark Knight Country 2 when I was stoned in Vegas, and that was like a ton of fun, but that game was colorful and not scary. So, <laughs> I mean, I let's say I do have some experience with that. It's shockingly easy to run around in circles, especially in the urban apartment levels. <laughs> I ran around, I wasn't high, so yeah. I lost a lot in this game. A lot, a lot, so I, I can see it. All right, and then from Sam Mercer, 
Uh, this was the first game I played that had challenging AI. Almost demanded the use of slow-mo every time I had an encounter. They hit hard, play aggressive, and flank you constantly. All right, and from Adam Walker. Super fun. Originally played on PC. Tried to play backwards compatible on Xbox One. There's a super weird bug you should look into where the frame rate on PC totally tanks regardless of build. Because of Logitech hit devices, you have to download a file to fix it, and the same bug is in Condemned for PC. Okay, I didn't have that on my PC, but maybe because I didn't... He's playing I didn't have any issues. on PC, I think. Oh, okay. I did not do that. I just played it on played the Steam He's version. on the original console. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I don't know. Something like that? That's not a weird. I didn't really understand it, but okay. Uh, okay. All right. I'm glad I didn't have any issues. And from the Giant Bomb group, from Cody Boren, used to play this game as an ex during a big scumbag phase of my, my life. Would take a bunch of cough medicine and rubble trip while we played this game. Freaked my shit out. <laughs> 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 okay. I mean, I find it, I mean, I don't know. This is this is a game. This is not a game I want to play while high in any shape or form. It just <laughs> feels like it might like the, fuck me up a little too much. That sounds like the opposite of self-care. Love yourself. I mean, like when I, that? I said on the show before, I was in Vegas and I got high because it was legal. And I played Donkey Kong Country 2 and it was wonderful because everything was bright and colorful. The music was great. I would not want to be stoned out of my head playing a, a horror game like this. That just does not sound like a good time. But uh, okay. These are all I guess. And from Jacob Robinson, great game, bummed about two and three. Uh, from Charlton John V, played this on PS Now for the first time and it still rules. And from John Wells, that ladder scared the shit out of me. Okay. I'm not sure what he means, but all right. It's in like interval two or three or something. You're in like the sewer area kind of in the wastewater plant. And it's the one where like Alma appears behind you. If you go to get the reflex pickup. Oh, okay. Maybe like, I missed. Yeah. Well, like when you go up that barrel or up that ladder, you can see Alma running off on the left side of the frame. If you look. And then sometime, and then like if you look up, shortly after, she will appear up there as well. <laughs> okay, I can see that being a little freaky. Then. Okay, this game does do horror, I think, decently. All right, and then from my last group, I'm going to read from the official Laser Time community. Uh, first one from Colby Johnson. Absolutely loved Fear at the time. It was probably one of my favorite horror games. I played it when it first came out out on the PC, and then later on the 360. It was one of the games I was most excited about to get back compatibility. Fear 2 is also very, very good. Fear 3, not so much. All right. And from Mike Green, silly acronym, amazing game. From that moment, you start the game, sets a tone and atmosphere that never disappoints. The story was damn good, too. The sequel, in my opinion, diluted the brand, but the OG is where it's at. Throwing those grenades and slowing down everything to shoot it right in the middle of your enemies is still something I'm shocked other games haven't done because it felt so satisfying. Okay, I didn't know you could do that. I think I accidentally did that a few times. I didn't. Use, I use grenades in slow mo, but I didn't try to shoot them. I just threw them and wanted hope for the best. <laughs> so, all right. Nope. Seems kind of equal about Fear Two being good or bad, but everyone seems to agree Fear Three is. Oh, yeah, everyone, everyone hated Fear Three back when it came out too. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> I remember Fear Two being good though. I, I think it gets the rap of being like it's fine. It's a perfectly fine shooter of the day. Looks good. Feels pretty good. I understand the story is generally the storytelling is more competent. The story is worse yeah. and sillier. Like the voice in your ear for most of the game is a dude named Snake Fist, 
who will not stop <laughs> talking about pizza. Okay. He's a plot critical character. I think I know what I need to do. I think I need to get a pizza and play Fear 2. <laughs> hey, it's cheap on, I think it's on Steam, the Fear Collection. I think it's on, yeah, the Fear Collection. Oh, not when you're hearing this, but for you people, <laughs> for you guys, it's on sale. <laughs> you wanted to buy it on Steam right now. So I thought it was funny when I, before we recorded this, I was looking at the sale and it's like, oh, Fear Collection on sale for eight dollars for all the for everything the dlc and all three games i'm like oh cool <laughs> i'm already own them all but cool and there's also dlc for fear too also that comes with that all right and from pete shul i don't know if it, if it was any different on consoles but i remember when it came out on pc that the enemy AI was exceptionally good for the time i think it may have been the first of my random baddies that could successfully flank and maneuver around the map it's because it was designed for that and from chris l fear had some great gameplay and i spent a ton of time playing the 360 multiplayer despite it running poorly be meaning to replay it for a while since the games are back compatible on the Xbox and run much better. Right. And he also said two is a better campaign in terms of pacing and variety, but I prefer the feel of one and I really like three too. Fun on co-op and the combat felt super tactical and higher difficulty, real cool series overall. Hey, something good about the third game actually. Okay. And from Mark Calzer, I remember playing on PC the game coming on four discs, lots and lots of offices, and the bad guy shouting fuck every time I came around the corner. Great times have no idea if it holds up. It does. I don't remember them shouting at me when I saw them. Maybe I just didn't listen. I was too busy shooting them. Can't remember. <laughs> so, and last one I'm going to read from Kevin Don. Agreed. The first game was awesome, snooty whore, and I really liked the second one as well. Never got around to the third one for some reason. For some reason, I really want to go back and play them about two months ago, but didn't have my old copies. Okay. And I'll, I'll read one more. This is the last one I have anyway. From Vincent Sprague. I love the fear games. The first one is still my favorite of the bunch. I love the creepy horror sections, but I felt that as the series progressed, they moved away from the horror elements and focused more on gameplay slash combat, which was done well. So I still enjoy the sequels, but that first one will always be the most memorable for me. Okay. A lot of positive things. I'm happy about that. A thing that occurs to me, fear has the franchise trajectory of dead space. <laughs> You're not wrong. As a guy who just played all three Dead Spaces, you're not wrong from what I've been hearing so far. If I had a nickel for every time a novel new horror game came out to ringing applause, had a sequel that was technically competent, but some agree took the story in a weird direction, and then a bad third entry, I'd only have ten cents, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> you have ten cents. <laughs> I'm sure there's another horror game like it that, that, that I can't think of. It. Well, Dead Rising. Don't, do people okay. not like the third one? Or the fourth one I know is a garbage. Is a bad one. I think maybe the third one's largely forgettable. It's like I played. I played it for a bit and it's fine, but it's really dour. And okay. there were a lot of things that were definitely of the early 20 teens in terms of the humor and the writing that were pretty fucked up to run into. <laughs> Okay, I haven't played. I only played some of the first Dead Rising. And I've never, I've never touched any more, like two or three. I own them, but I just that's a series I've never gotten around to yet. I need to, but okay, I'm curious. I can't think of any other ones off the top of my head that I can think of that have three games that might have a bad third one. Okay, uh, we should go on to shelf stacker box, and I'll go first. I'm gonna put this in the shelf because I had a really good time with this game. I went into it. With not really any expectations, I was just like, okay, I need to finally play this game because it's been on my list for a very long time. And I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. It it was a lot of fun. I mean, I cheated, but that wasn't, it was partly because I just, 
I didn't care, and I was having I was having so much fun just shooting everybody, and that was enough for me. And I was running out of time because I was behind <laughs> for the schedule. But that's a self-made problem. But no, really enjoyed the game, and so glad I got to finally play it. Uh, what about you, Jake? I think I'd stack it because okay. yeah, it's really great. It's a lot of fun. Like it does hold up pretty well. Um, but I think like first, it's personal to me because I played so much of it when I was younger that. The replayability is kind of li- it's kind of limited, especially because there are things now that are finally doing a lot of the things that it did well, like Doom 2016 that are a bit more generally polished. But I think it would be something valuable to like keep around and and definitely replay every once in a while to go back and check it out. Okay, and what about you, Ron? I would probably stack it as well. First time playing it and kind of mostly enjoyed it. I could kind of see why a lot of people liked it, but you know, first time playing it is 15 years after the initial release. <laughs> we've come so far. I kind of do want to play it again just on the harder difficulty just to experience it because it seems like that is the way to experience fear. But probably, then after yeah. that, probably put it back on my shelf, try playing the second one, second fear, and maybe go back to it in a couple of years. I think I'm going to try to make us play two next year, just because I'm really curious now to play it. All right. And before I introduce what we're talking about next week, I have a code to give away, just a random Steam code for a game. I don't even know what the hell it is called Gemcraft Chasing Shadows. I've had the code forever. Uh, The Steam code is WWCBIB4PAGJWV2F. That's Gemcraft Chasing Shadows for Steam. Someone hopefully will enjoy that. All right. (laughs) And uh, next week, we are talking about Resident Evil Revelations, a game I've been meaning to play for years and years and years and finally making myself do it. So (laughs) stay tuned for that. And I want to thank both Jake and Ron for joining me for this for the first time. Thank you for having me. So I'm glad you guys were able to, because I was able to talk about fear then. So it made me happy. And I also love getting new people on. And if you enjoyed this show, there's over 350 other episodes for you to listen to. You can find everything on Podbean, because Spotify, iTunes only go back 100 episodes. So definitely look through our giant catalog, and I do mean giant. And also want to give a shout out to my awesome buddy, my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hath Fear. You can follow her on TikTok. She made the music for the intro and outro of the show. Also want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU movies with me. He's our own podcast, A Gamer Looks at 40. And if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon. For as little as a dollar, you can vote in our Patreon poll. And this current Patreon poll is a Resident Evil theme poll. That will be, the episode will release in November. Uh, Resident Evil Extinction, uh, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness miniseries, Resident Evil Damnation, the second animated movie, and Resident Evil, the Netflix series. For as little as a dollar, you can vote in the poll and decide what we're going to have to cover. Go do that. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We're on YouTube at audio only, but hey, we're there. You want to listen to us that way. And last thing I do want to say is we have a Discord. Please join our Discord and you can chat with us. So I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody.